welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out by going to the Daily Connection in Calvary's app or by heading to connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection. Well, today on the podcast, we have Lloyd Hewlett in uh, with us today, and Lloyd uh, preached on Sunday on forgiveness, and it's just uh, it was a great, uh, great sermon to uh, hear and reflect on. And so, look forward today to kind of diving deeper into that and uh, taking some tangents and rabbit trails wherever wherever they lead us. So, okay. So, uh, Lloyd, what, what do you have for us today? What uh, what can we talk well, about? One of the things that I wanted to talk about, I said uh, before I actually started the sermon that. It had taken me 50 years to get to the point where I could write this sermon, and uh, there there is a personal story there that I think is worth sharing, because even though every life is different, I think that there are aspects of life that many people can relate to. In fact, I heard a number of people yesterday as they were leaving say to me that, that this sermon came at the right time in their lives because of things that they were dealing with. Um, I uh, grew up in in what is euphemistically called a dysfunctional family. Sure, um, I had uh, a mother who was absolutely wonderful, um, a father who was abusive. Uh, he was physically abusive with we children, with us children, and uh, he was at least emotionally abusive with my mother. Um, I recognized that very early in life, so I struggled. I struggled with this probably from the time I was about eight until I was actually 29. Uh, At the age of 29, I went into psychotherapy because um, it wasn't that my life was messed up, but there was a a lack of content in in my life that made me uncomfortable. Um, So I was in therapy for about 18 months to deal with all of this. What it came down to... And there are lots of aspects to this story, but over the course of my life, uh, my father never once uttered the words, I love you, to me. Uh, That was hurtful when I was a kid, uh, but it's hurtful even now at the age of 71 to think back that, uh, because I was a very different kind of father than than my father was. Um, It was difficult to deal with with the physical abuse because I never understood what to how to make sense of it. Uh, there was, I could give you many examples, but here's one. Um, when I was about 10 or 12, my father, um, who was heavy into woodworking, um, uh, made a paddle and he put air holes in it and he put on, he engraved on it the board of education and hung it in our kitchen. And uh, the first day that he had finished it, he had, uh, at that time, there were three kids who were old enough, I, from his perspective, I guess, to line up outside this long closet that we had in the house. <clears throat> and we had to go in, and he, he paddled each of us. And when we asked, he said, no particular reason, but you probably have it coming. And his rule for punishment was, I'm going to hit you until you cry, and then I'm going to keep hitting you until you stop. Wow. Uh, so I have 
vivid memories of what that was like. He did it in the closet because he wanted the door closed so that the uh, so that the blows would echo in that room. Um, so that that's one part of who he was. Yeah. And eventually, I reached the point in my life as an adult where I knew that I had to forgive him or I would not be able to move on. And I really, really struggled with that, Isaac, in yeah. terms of how, how do I forgive that? Right. Um, there were, the other aspect of uh-huh. this was what he did to my mother. Sure. My mother was a beautiful person in every way. Both of my parents were in show business when they were younger. Uh, she danced with the Rockettes, uh, was a featured dancer with the Rockettes, had a, uh, a very promising career ahead of her. And when they got married, he told her she had to end her career, which was fine. She wanted to be a mother. But over the course of their marriage, he just beat her down so much that by the time I was old enough to have some sense of what he had done, uh, she was far less the person than she had been when, when she was younger. And that broke my heart. So here's the short version of this. I found it much easier to forgive my father for what he did to me than it was to forgive him for what he did to my mom. And that was part of what I discovered in in psychotherapy. And I don't know how Christians generally feel about psychotherapy, but I can tell you that those 18 months saved my life. Sure. My therapist was a classic hippie. His name was was Dave Hoffman. He never sat in a chair. He would sit cross-legged on a on a desk. And those those are details that might seem small to, to some people, but for me it meant that that Dave was open and receptive to anything I had to say. Yeah. The the forgiving my father thing came in in a moment of understanding when Dave said to me, he said, "Lloyd, sooner or later, you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that your father is a expletive. And I sat there for a long time trying to process that. And I knew he was right, but it was hard to accept that. So I, I got past that, but I still felt unsettled. And a large part of that was because I couldn't forgive what he had done to my mom. So I think I came to terms with the, with my part of this after I'd been in therapy for maybe six months. It took me another year to deal with the mother part of the equation. And that's the part that I still struggle with. Yeah. You know, I, I described yesterday forgiveness as a process. I used the words tortured and complicated. And that was a direct reference to my own experience. Sure. Because I'm not done yet. <laughs> there, there are days yeah. when I feel that I have come to terms with what he did, and I've never understood why he did it, mm-hmm. but with what he did. Uh, so there are days that I honestly believe that I have forgiven him. Yeah. And then something in my life will come up, or I'll see something in the life of somebody else, and it just dredges all that up. So in a very real sense, and I don't know, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. but for me, that part of forgiveness is still unfinished business. Yeah, I, w- I was going to ask you how you see kind of your continuing work 
uh, in this process of forgiveness as different from that initial uh, kind of realization that you needed to begin that? How, were those different in, in a way? Is there? They are different. Okay. And that's yeah. where the faith part of my life, where I have uh-huh. plugged into that. Again, I don't know why, but early on in this process, I kind of separated my faith life from my other life. Yeah. And I was sure. trying to deal with forgiveness yeah. Yeah. in my other life without realizing that until I came to terms with it, with faith connected, it wasn't really going to be real. So what has happened since my relationship with Dave Hoffman, and I'm terrible with names, Isaac, the fact that I remember his name (laughs) uh, should should tell you a lot. Um, But what is different now is that when I get into those dark moments, I pray. And I uh, read some of the scripture that I shared yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the part about how many times should I forgive him? Would seven right. times be enough? Yeah. And, and, I, and I've come to terms with the fact that forgiving my father was not a once-in-a-lifetime moment. It's, it may not be daily, but it is often over the course of a year. Yeah. And, and I have found that, that prayer and meditation and reading Scripture has helped me enormously in terms of being as forgiving toward him as others. I also found the comment from, uh, and I don't remember which person it was, and I should be, but right now my mind is on this, that uh, it is e- it's easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. Right. That part of it, when I read that the first time, was very meaningful because, again, it helped me connect to that past and to the pain. Right. Um, so, you know, the short answer is Dave Hoffman saved me in the short term. Mm-hmm. My faith has saved me in the long term. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this was, I mean, it was pretty obvious on Sunday that this was coming from a, a very deep place uh, within you. And, of course, you didn't have time necessarily to share that entire story. But right. thank you for for sharing that today, that brings so much more uh, depth to that uh, to that text and your telling of that, and I, I'm really appreciative of that. I know that's hard to do. Yeah. I did get comments from people, and I had a text from a good friend of mine who was there, who said that every time you talked about these things, I could think of so many examples in my own life. Right. And the, I think the difficult thing about forgiveness and the reason that people don't like to hear that that subject preached about is that we all deal with it. Oh, certainly. There are so many things in the Bible that we can't relate to. I mean, I can't relate to murder. (laughs) I can't relate to theft. Uh, But I can can relate to forgiveness, and I think that's true for everybody. Um, So I'm glad that that came through. Um, But it would have taken me... Days, yes, right. You know, to go through all that, and right. and the fact is, he, I have four siblings, one of whom is adopted. We adopted her when we lived in Korea, and I love her dearly, but she was the only one of the five children that my dad wanted, and he was very overt about that. Yeah, we sat on our front porch in Michigan one time, and he said to me. We were just sitting there being quiet, and just out of the blue, he said, you know, Lloyd, I never wanted you kids. And that was the beginning and the end of the conversation. I was 17 years old when he said that to me. 
And then another time he said, we, we need to go out in the boat because I have something I want to tell you. So we went out into the boat. He was fishing. Uh, I was just there. And he said to me, he said, I've rewritten my will. He said, you're going to be the executor, and everything is going to Jenny. That's my adopted younger sister. And I want you to manage that money to make her life more comfortable. So it was like it was like this guy went out of his way. Yeah, no kidding. To be as injurious as he possibly could. Right. So yeah, I know we don't want to spend all of our time no, on this. <laughs> no, but it certainly, I mean, that... Uh, that brings that parable of that ungrateful servant into oh stark relief. I yes. think when you hear a story like that, when you when you feel someone going out of their way to be unmerciful in the context of mercy. Right. I mean, you know, when you think of family as a context of mercy, I mean, just the family unit itself is a merciful kind of experience, or it should be. And then exactly. to to so maliciously, you know. Uh, just be set on that. I mean, it, it 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 makes that parable come alive in a way that is stomach turning. It's know? interesting that you <laughs> yeah. mentioned that because yeah. when I first wrote the sermon, I was tempted to end with the exchange between Peter and Jesus. Yeah, but I thought that the parable added depth, just oh, as as yeah. you have yeah. have noted. Uh, it it, and I'm not sure how personally relevant that parable would be to everyone sure but it was certainly relevant to me yeah and as i said at the beginning uh, every time that i sit down to uh, i write a, as you know because i send it to you a christmas meditation yeah yep every time i do that every time i write a sermon i cannot disconnect it from my own life and i don't know how anyone who preaches can right I just don't get that. Yeah, uh, because I had a, I have a, a minister friend who is a really good person, and uh, he told me one time he said I cannot write a sermon that is connected to my life, and I, I had to think about that for a long time. How can you do that? And and one of the one yeah, of the, a million great things about Jesus is that he was so good at telling those stories that made everything he was trying to teach personal. Right, right. And, I mean, there are, as I said, there are a million things to love about him, yeah. but he was the consummate teacher. Right. And, you know, we right. call him that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Now, you you were and are a teacher. Yeah. I was and am a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So we can relate to that. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the great right. part about that. But, wow, yeah. that's the surprising Surprising phrase from someone <laughs> who preaches. I, it's just almost anti-incarnational to a, to it a is. sense. I, it is. Like, that's strange. So, wow. Well, well, you had also mentioned uh, today that you, uh, in, in preparation for this sermon, you had done a little bit of uh, looking into how forgiveness is uh, practiced or brought up or um, incorporated into other kind of major world religions. So right. I'd love to talk about that sure. today. Yeah. Well, let me begin with this this statement that was in an article called Forgiveness. <laughs> uh, this author writes, every major world religion teaches that forgiveness is necessary and important. So we can, we can easily begin with that. He also wrote, most spiritual and religious leaders will agree 
that forgiveness of oneself and others is one way to clear the mind, heart, and soul and may result in a feeling of increased peace and happiness. So as I was looking through all of that, those two statements seem to sort of summarize what all these have in common, but there are differences. Oh, sure, yeah. Buddhism, for example, um, emphasizes prevention. Right. Now, uh, Buddha left room for forgiveness after the fact. If this doesn't work out, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, but we this love is occasional sound effect. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay. <laughs> this is so consistent with what we tend to uh, believe about Buddha. Yeah. That it's all about meditation, and of course, that's a big part of it. Um, Christianity teaches that forgiveness originates with God. Now, that was a very simple statement. But I think it, it, it is true. I mean, that is part of the core of what, what we believe. Right. That at the heart of reality itself is this nature to forgive. Exactly. Uh, right. That it begins there. That it's not something that's reactive uh, to the circumstance necessarily, although it, it does react. Right. But we begin with that. We don't uh, take that as a second step or a third step or a right. plan B or a plan C. But right. that, yeah. Now, yeah. that, what I found interesting, Isaac, is that what what we read in the New Testament is in some ways in contrast to what we read in the Old Testament. And I'm kind of curious as, yeah. as to what your take is on that. How, how do you see forgiveness in the Old Testament different from what we read in the New? Uh, well, I think it's... Um I guess I would talk about them in terms of different expressions of the same kind of foundational uh, idea. I think when you look at, you know, that that uh, those first three chapters of Genesis, um, and you have uh, even before what we would call the fall, uh, you've got this uh, this environment of reciprocity where plants are contributing to life animals are contributing to life this is good to eat these are there's a there's a there's a natural process that is in a way this give and take that that really is forgiveness this outpouring of oneself um to uh oh we're in we're in the my office here and so the the lights as they usually do go off because no one's moving so hold on <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, even that environment is a, I, w- I would say, a very, um, you, you know, kind of non-aggressor form of forgiveness in some right. way. Uh, and then um, the the first thing that happens uh, after after the fall is this. Um, the, the killing of uh, and animals to to make clothes um, for Adam and Eve. And I think in a very profound way, that is a moment where God says, you know what, I'm going to uh, gently restore you here, even in your brokenness, that it's not, it's not all done yet. And that the first act that God does um, is to give them those, those things. And, and I think a real moment of, um, well, mercy... Right and grace, and that that right. becomes the pattern through the Old Testament, uh, is that God is continually uh, providing these things uh, and trying to demonstrate in a way what it looks like um, to be that, right. and that it's culminated, I think, uh, in the work of Jesus, 
who really takes it up a notch all the time. Absolutely. You know, I mean, very much a, you've heard it said, but I, but I tell you kind of way where it moves from the outside inside, not that the inside is devoid in the old Testament. I mean, the prophets definitely get us there very quickly, but um, I don't know that I know, I, I notice a, a, a progression uh, maybe, or a redefining of what it means to be uh, a forgiving community, um, perhaps in the Old Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, but certainly I think that the DNA of that is there from the very beginning. And, um, you know, the Old Testament's hard, I think, to sort through uh, anyway without really bearing down on a lot of uh, historical context. You know, we look at very it now... True. We look at it now and we go, oh, that's very barbaric. But for its time, it was very progressive, right? You that's know, in true. terms of um, in terms of law, in terms of society, in terms of uh, the treatment of those on the margins. Um, you know, very very progressive in that sense. And so, uh, you know, in its context, it it, it it's very humane uh, in some ways. Even though we would look at it now and go, well, we've we've moved beyond that. And, and that's true, uh, but that doesn't make it any less valuable for us, I think. Yeah. But I'm curious yeah. to what your response would be. One of the scholars that I read about this, because I was very curious about, and, and you've used some of the words that all of the scholars use, that it's a progression that culminated in Jesus and, and all that. But he, he made the point that um, God was very forgiving to the Israelites, Right. Over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. but not not forgiving to the enemies of Israel. Sure, um, and that was one of the contrasts that he made between the Old Testament and mm-hmm. the New. Right, and a lot of this was because it was so critical that Israel survive. Sure. Yeah, and right. th- and that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. Right. And the move, I think, again, the move from just a, a tribal understanding of humanity, which certainly is the context of the Old Testament, the the move from tribal to uh, to a larger culture, to the human tribe instead of the the very localized tribe. Uh, and so that comes into play as well. Um, but but even, you know, there's a kind of a grain, I think, tucked away, even in that, um, uh, oh, that's the word I'm looking for, even, even in that primacy of Israel, there's a kind of a kernel tucked away in there that's like, the way you treat the foreigner in your own borders is this seed that grows, I think, into the ministry of Jesus. So it's, it's a, there, there's a, something tucked away in there that says, yes, there's a lot of conquering of those outside and those who are coming against you. But once they come into your circle, they're in your circle. You can't, you can't differentiate them. You know, to think of that Psalm that says, no, I'm going to say of this person born in Cush or this one born in uh, Babylon. Nope, they were born in Zion. So now there's a there's a a re um, a reinstatement of their you know kind of original I think Garden of Eden humanity there, and Israel is supposed to be that, but continues to not do that um, responsibly. You know? I I know that you uh, talk to our young people when they're going through confirmation, and I'm wondering if the if the issue of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth has ever come up in those conversations, and even if it hasn't, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that in terms of forgiveness as we understand it 
within the context of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Uh, not not in my sections, but probably okay. in other sections. I'm I'm sure of that class. But so it's funny you mentioned that. I just I just got done writing the um, the the post for Monday about prayer in this context of Matthew 18 and uh, talked about prayer as often reevaluating our own cycles and about how um, the heart of God is usually initially a disruption of those cycles. And so an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, what we would sometimes call, you know, retributive justice um, is certainly a cycle that makes sense. We would see it as fair. And for a lot of human history, that was a, um, a step up to go. It's not just going to be complete anarchy you know, uh, brother against brother. It's not Cain and Abel. You know, we don't, the, the Abel's blood is not going to cry out from the ground. Uh, Cain is going to be avenged in this sense, a blood, right. blood avenger sort of right. kind of a thing. Uh, but I think what Jesus does is, is drills down a little bit and said, that's reality at one level, but there is a, there is a, a, a deeper heart of things here that only can be found when you disrupt that cycle because that cycle is based on scarcity. It's based on, you've done something to me, I can do something to you to make things balanced. There's only a certain amount of things in the universe that can hold together. And I think what Jesus is saying is, no, you can tap into a more infinite um, sense of uh, love, of God, of love for neighbor, uh, when you break that cycle, that you tap into something that is a bottomless well. Forgiveness is a bottomless well. I mean, you described yes. it as something that you continue to do. There's there's nothing transactional about you being able to forgive your father. There's never, you, you can't punish him enough to make that no. right. You're right. You know, You're right. and so you found uh, an infinite source of um uh, connecting with, I don't know how else to say it, connecting with the heart of God uh, in in tapping into this cycle-breaking forgiveness. Uh, and the truth is, Isaac, if I wasn't able to do that, I would never forgive my father. Right. It's just not possible, right. yeah. One, one of the things that I found in looking at other religions, Christianity is the only major religion that emphasizes uh, forgiving your enemies. Right. Praying for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. So that is that is a clear distinction. It makes our faith harder to live. Certainly. But, but in my view, it um, it brings us closer to God when when we understand that. Right. Um, well, I know that I don't know how much t- time we have here. Doing okay. But, We've got a okay. few more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hinduism. Hinduism, uh, they believe that forgiveness contains great power in and of itself. I think most Christians would would agree with that. Forgiveness subdues all this world. What is there that forgiveness cannot achieve? What can a wicked person do? This is from their uh, their book. Mm-hmm. What can a wicked person do unto him who carries the saber of forgiveness in his hand? Fire falling on the grassless ground is extinguished of itself, and the unforgiving individual defiles himself with many enormities. Righteousness is the one highest good, and forgiveness is the one supreme peace. Knowledge is the one supreme contentment, and benevolence one soul happiness. And yeah. Again, I, I think right. most Christians would read that and say, where is that in the Bible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's very similar in, sure. in that sense. Yeah, where you're trying to hold these two almost paradoxical things in tandem. Right. And yeah, it's what, certainly there. Yeah. One, one of the things, and uh, well, let me mention Islam since that, and, and Judaism. Well, I want to mention at least those two since yeah. there are so much in our lives. Right. Um, in Islam, they believe the source of forgiveness is determined by the wrong being committed. If the wrong needs divine forgiveness from Allah, the person asking should be repentant. If one human is forgiving another, it is important to both forgive and be forgiven. Now, what is interesting about that is that uh, someone of the Jewish faith could read that and say, yes, right, because we believe the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, I read a lot about Yom Kippur. One of the things that I, I did not know is that um, uh, people of the Jewish faith are encouraged to forgive before they get to Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is uh, a time to sort of clean up whatever mess is left. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I was also interested in, I think, as I mentioned to you when I first sat down here, what are there any unforgivable sins? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we turn that corner to, uh, yeah, there's a, f- <laughs> yes. Right. Now, again, it's interesting that Christianity uh, overlaps Islam mm-hmm. on this point. Uh, and that is that the one unforgivable sin in Christianity is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, in Islam, the, the one unfor- unforgivable sin is shirk. You ever heard that term? I have not, no. Okay. Shirk is either idolatry or polytheism. Oh, interesting. Now, when they explain it, yeah. it ends up being the same thing right. that we talk about sure. as, as Christians. Yeah. Now, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, the one sin that is not forgivable is the rejection of God. Sure. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, whenever I have this conversation with people, um, they're always... It, it goes very quickly to, well, I don't... Have I done this before? I don't know if I've done this before. Have I done this before? And, right. I, and, I, and I keep... I always say to people, if you're asking that question, the answer is, uh, you know, no. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So it's not something to be... Uh, for those, uh, you know, who have some high anxiety levels, it's nothing to be worried about. Uh, if you're anxious about that, that is confirmation that you exactly. are not in that space. I, <laughs> you know? My own experience is yeah. that people interpret this to mean using the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, not, well, no. You know, God is not that superficial. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm, I'm positive that he's not happy about it, but that's not the same thing as rejection of God. No, no, it's not. And no. I, I'm sure that in your life you have met people who have rejected God. And that that is, at least for me, is very hard to deal with. Yeah. Uh, in terms of... And I always ask this question at a at a funeral, for example, for right. somebody who is a Christ-centered person yeah. who passes away. And, and I always ask this question, how does a person who believes in nothing, how do they deal with that kind of a crisis in their life? Sure. I mean, for me, there would be such an emptiness that it would be impossible to, to deal with that. Right. Um, so... Well, anyway, that's... yeah, and it's always you know it's always uh, again like the question always comes up. Well, is that is do you get one shot at that decision? You know, is that the thing? Like, is it is it uh, did you pull that card when you were twenty seven, 
and you made up your mind and now that's it. And no, I mean, no. the answer is always no. Right. When you put that into the context of the rest of the ministry of Jesus, there is, yeah. there is always the return. That is a um, very good point. You know, and so this, uh, I think people get very uh, concerned about, you know, is this some kind of, is this a one-time only switch flip that, you know, oops, I, I did that a long time ago and <laughs> right. it's unforgivable. No, right. not, right. not at all. Right. Um, I, I think it's, Again, it's one of those ways to say this is a this is a heavy issue. You know, this is something that is very very important um, for us to think about and has some significant consequences sure. to it as well. Uh, but there is always, again, you know, talking about forgiveness and the the heart of God. This is so deep uh, in the character of God. Uh, the return, uh, the return home. You Again, know. the overlap between Christianity and Islam on this, the point that you just mm-hmm. mentioned is yeah. very interesting yeah. because what they say is that the sin of rejecting God is pardonable until the end of your life. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this might, this is so tangential, but uh, when I was listening to you talk about that, it reminded me of the idea of once saved, always saved. Oh, sure. Which is also a kind of a touchy issue. Right. Well, it's an answer. It's it's a um, it's a logical answer to that question. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's I do. it's a it's it's a very kind of scientific enlightenment law centered way to answer that question in the affirmative and to give assurance. And um, I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's necessary. Um, you know, from a theological position, I, I think it's. I think it's something that was created in order to answer a question that's not very interesting and doesn't even need to be asked. I totally agree. <laughs> you know, but I'm always you know reminded I mean? but, of, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you ever listened to Larry Gatlin when uh, they, they were no. popular. <laughs> he uh, he wrote a song that was one of his personal favorites that was never a big hit. And one of the lines is there, he's talking about um, guys who are living in, uh, they're homeless and they're uh, alcoholics. And he talks about this one guy who was saved for the 14th time today. <laughs> right. Because they yeah. go to these places where they have to listen to Scripture, listen to a sermon, uh, and then ask to be, to be saved before right. they get their meal. Yes. <laughs> I thought, you know, sometimes we, we make this whole process so... I, I want to say we, we make it too human. And, and, and part, of yeah. the power, part of the power of... God and my relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is hard for me because my background professionally is science. Yeah, but there is an aspect of this where you have to get beyond that, sure, or or you simply yeah. can't be where you want to be in your relationship with God. Right. So the the one saved always saved thing. I, I've always and and you said it better than I. It, it's a kind of a. I would use the word foolish. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of a foolish. Well, it's yeah, it's based on the assumption of a transaction that that doesn't need to be there. There you go. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, if it works for some people, I guess that's that's yeah. fine. I'm not gonna right. get too bent out of shape about it. But exactly. but if it's if it's troubling to you, you're you're in good company, I guess. There. Oh, there you <laughs> At go. At least from church history perspective. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Lloyd, is there anything else that you want to cover today that uh, is, of, is of interest to you? The only thing that yeah. I want to say, mm-hmm. Isaac, is that I, I welcomed this opportunity when you mentioned this to me. I think that what you do here is, is uh, very helpful. Uh, 
in, yeah. in, in the Christian walk, which is not the same for every person, but there are commonalities. And I think the more often people can uh, listen to the commonalities, the more comfortable they're going to be in their own walk. Yeah. So sure. thank you. Exactly. You're very, you're very welcome. All right. Well, and again, uh, we just want to thank all of you for listening. We'd love to keep the discussion going with you. Uh, if you have questions or comments to add to the discussion, you can do that by following the link in the Calvary app. Or if you're listening on the web, you'll find comments at the bottom of the page. Or if you're listening in the podcast app, you can check out the show notes or head over to uh, connectwithcalvary.org slash dailyconnection to find a comment link there. Uh, we'll be back next week with a deeper dive into the book of Hebrews. And until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.